From American Salon Magazine and .com, I'm Gordon Miller, and this is American Salon Stories, our weekly podcast featuring some of the most interesting people we know. So this is a special day at the American Salon Stories podcast. I'm, I'm really excited to bring you a, a really dear old friend, a, a brilliant person in the industry. Let me do a quick introduction with a career spanning three decades, Louisiana native and New York City transplant. Sam Bracado has traveled the globe sharing his experience and insights as one of the industry's leading hairdressers. He's also an artistic educator. He's an author, motivational speaker, a visionary, and a salon owner. His long list of honors includes Naha's editorial style of the year and the Naha Lifetime Achievement Award. Today, Sam can be found often at the Sam Bricado Salon or Studio B in New York City, designing great hair, innovating new product formulations. Welcome to the American Salon Stories podcast, Sam Bricado. Thank you, Gordon. It's wonderful to be here today. I'm very excited to talk to you. Ditto, ditto, my friend. <laughs> um, and before we get started, let me just say this is kind of a, a little bit of a, a twist on our podcast or my podcast hosting duties. For those who may not know, this is my first podcast in the role of a guest content curator to American Salon as I've left my position as publisher of American to become the CEO of Hairbrained, a, a brilliant professional community and a longtime partner to American Salon and to the International Beauty Shows. I want to say thank you to American Salon for their support and, and for letting me keep these stories going. So yay to American Salon. Um, and uh, again, I'm excited to have Sam Bricado as our guest today. Congratulations, Gordon. Thank you, sounds Sam. Like an, sounds like an exciting, uh, exciting change over there for you. It is, and I and I've had an exciting run with American Salon. I, I just um, it was a, it was a tough choice, but we have a strategic relationship between Hairbrained and American, so all the good stuff's going to continue. So again, very very excited. Thank you. So so let's get started by sharing with our audience. Um, what are you up to today? What's the short version of Sam Bricado, and, and maybe what's a, a typical day in the life of Sam? Well, the majority of my time is spent um, in New York. We live actually, actually, we're staying in Brooklyn. So now this will be about the seventh part of the five borough area. Actually, we've lived in Manhattan for 16 years and we're staying in Brooklyn right now, which is absolutely the coolest thing in the world. I'm loving it, although we'll end up back in Manhattan because our two salon locations, uh, Studio B and San Bricado Salon are in, are in Manhattan. So I'm sort of exploring still as a tourist of New York after 16 years of, of living there. Um, and I spend a lot of time in Soho at our, at our office and salon there. And I do hair. I do clients. Um, I don't do a lot. I try to keep it to somewhere between eight and 10 people a week. I keep my hands in it and, and love, love doing it. And then I spend the rest of my time uh, either overseeing the business and running the business from a hopefully a visionary standpoint, and then making hair products. Um, you know, I'm deeply involved, as I always have been. I took a, a hiatus away from the product thing for three years because of, I sort of had to. Um, but now we're, um, you know, if you look at our website, you'll see that we've got a new brand. And um, although it's only it for my salons, but it's exciting. It helps me with the creative urges I feel to be mixing and, and making things as I've done since 1989, when I first walked into my first lab. A typical day, you know, get up early and uh, and work hard and see a lot of great people. We got about 50, 54 people on staff and uh, end up in the, in the health club or the workout gym, hopefully by six o'clock at the latest. And I do that at 
at least five days a week. And so I'm trying to take just great care of myself <laughs> and, uh, you know, enjoy the process. You know, I'm just so, so amazingly um, blessed to be so passionate about the work that I'm doing and have done my whole career. And going, and going to seminars too, you know, Gordon, I see you at some of them. I, I go as much as I can. And um, so for me, you know, it's a, it's, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful journey. And I just keep take, keeping that going at a pace that really works for me. Well, that's, that's one of the things that, that kind of blows my mind about you. And I've known, known you for such a long time. And, but you, you have always maintained that pace and you've always maintained this kind of, I don't know, I, I think of it as a rare energy uh, around your career. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people who've, managed to stick with it for a long time, but but few who've done it with such passion. So can you put your finger on like, what are some of the, the key drivers of that over the course of all these years? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to start off by saying, I'm, I'm actually sitting in my home office at our, we have a home in Lafayette, Louisiana, and the room I'm in is surrounded. If you could just see it, there's just all sorts of memorabilia from the industry, every, every, just unbelievable, including a copy of Beautiful Business, the book I wrote 30 years ago, along with my now wife, Holly. Um, there's just so much stuff around me. But there's a photo of my mom and dad. And uh, I think that part of uh, I look at my mom, she was this sort of tall, wiry, trim, you know, energetic woman. And so part of the energy and that just simply is DNA. I just have a lot of energy. Um, uh, you know, I wear the same uh, pair of jeans I wore when I was 25 now that I'm 35. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Um, yeah. So, I mean, part of it is just that. It's just the sheer energy. The second thing is, and I, I, I am, I'm a happy person. I mean, I, I wake up in the morning and I go, oh, my God, I get to do it again. And some days I wake up in the morning and I go, oh, shit, I have to do it again. But most of the time, the vast majority of the time that causes that tipping point of, 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 of going forward in a way that you hope is productive is you, I wake up happy. You know, and, and I know a lot of people that wake up slowly. You know, Gordon wakes up with coffee. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> But I wake up happy. So I think a part of that is that. And then the final thing is, you know, uh, how, my wife Holly is, is, you know, last night, we, did, we didn't stay together the night, la, night before last. She stayed in New Orleans with the sister. But last night they got here to our home around 11 p.m. And I was sitting across the room from her and, and I was just looking at her and I was thinking, you know, what a special, wonderful partner. What a beautiful lady. And I was just, so part of it is, you know, She's been such an amazing partner in life. We've been married 33 years and together an additional four or five before that. And we just keep trudging forward. Part of what we believe together is this is what we do. This is our life. This is what we do. Let's do it as well as we can. Um, and I think that that's kind of uh, part of the formula for it. There's a lot more that has to do with the people you surround yourself with, you know, and, you know, and uh, quiet time and meditation and there are lots of pieces you add to it but i think ultimately there's a basic makeup that a person has that makes them who they are i do believe i do believe that you can if you don't wake up happy <laughs> i do believe you can work on that and, and change it to where you, you, all of a sudden you know you you get a brighter and brighter experience um in your life so i think that probably people should concentrate on how do i find the happiness and 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 being joyful in the moment, being present, and and realize that 
life really is uh it's a gift and that <laughs> that's the thing about it you got to enjoy the gift that's that's great advice and and, and really insightful um I'm, I'm so glad and I, i'm not surprised that you know holly's name has come up so quickly because i know how important she is both in your life and, and 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 definitely in your career um you mentioned beautiful business which you know um by way of a little bit of introduction is kind of how i originally met you um yeah i was working for pivot point back then is how i also met holly you guys were in the process of kind of wrapping up, finishing up the uh, the writing of what I think is one of the most classic and and best books ever written in the beauty industry, I love the the title itself, "Beautiful Business," and I just want to go there for a moment. Um, I, when I think of you, you know, I know you're a, a brilliant hairdresser. I've seen you do it. I've been in the salon and I've and and I've watched you for years on stages, and I I know your passion. I've been in your home and, and seen it mannequin upon mannequin. You've got so many mannequins at home. And uh, so I know your passion for that. But after all these years, when I think of Sam Bricado, you know, I think of businessman um, before I think of hairdresser. And talk a little bit about the role that business has played in, in both your thinking and your approach to your professional life. And, and how I feel like that is part of why you're still doing what you do. Well, let me just say to start off with, I really did not want I, – I've been drawn to the world of business out of necessity uh, quite early in my career, and um, I did not really want it to be that way. And I tried hard to keep my fingers in the hair enough to where most people would think of me either as uh, exactly split down the middle or, or more the hairdresser. But as it turns out, obviously, you know, uh, I wrote this business book right after I won the world championship of hairdressing in London. And so I kind of, you know, set myself up for it because when I came back from London after winning, everybody, everybody was like, do the shows, do the tours, make videos. And we did a lot of that. But I was like, no, 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 no. In typical Sam style, I said, if they're going to go that way, I'm going that way. And I said, what's wrong with this industry isn't that we don't have a lot of great hairstyles and we don't have like great color techniques. It's always this fabulous stuff. This, and it's so cyclical what does go on in our industry. But, it, but what, I, what we didn't have and that I couldn't find, I couldn't find a single sheet of paper that would show me how to run a hair salon. And I was starting up and I was getting my business going and I'm asking people and no one had anything. No one. And not schools or – so. I ended up going to a one-week course put on actually by Redken back in the 1800s, whatever, long, long time ago. <laughs> I actually was there. Uh, Neil Dukoff was in my class with me, so we've been lifelong buddies about this conversation. But um, So I, I ended up going to that class and realized I didn't know what a balance sheet was. I didn't know what a cash flow statement was. Uh, and there was a guy there named Sam LaCursey who was the CPA at the time. And he, he sat on the side of uh, literally, I remember sitting, sitting in the sofa in my apartment I rented for the week while I was there and trying to explain this stuff to me. And he always said to me, you're never going to get this. Uh, and I think part of that uh, forced me to, to really concentrate on to make it understandable for me. So very early on, I started uh, studying the very, very fundamentals of all businesses. And I realized that if I just forgot about the fact that it was a salon business. And just look for the basic benchmarks that are, are in any business. You know, you have you have cash flow, which is critical. Um, you have to be able to understand how that balance sheet works and, and and what it means to the health of the company in the eyes of the people that look at it, like bankers or outside lenders or maybe investors. So, um, you know, I just have spent all my time. I've gone to banking school back a long time ago for uh, three weeks one summer because I wanted to understand the banking world. 
Um, I've gone to all sorts of entrepreneurship um, seminars. And, you know, if I just turn around here and look at the wall, I went to Wealth Mastery. I went, <laughs> I'm looking at plaques and stuff that are on the, either on the wall or laying on the table here. You know, um, so, you know, Gordon, for me, business has always been, uh, has been about the healthy side of making sure I keep doing what I love to do. If I don't take care of the business, then I can't go play every day. And, and I think that that was the thing that I realized. And the name Beautiful Business actually came from the big conversation that was going on when we started writing the book about left brain and right brain thinking. So I was all into left brain, right brain thinking, how do you create a whole brain thought? And I, um, I focused on back and forth. So Beautiful is about fashion and it's about hair design. And business is business. And one plus one does not, you know, the old Italian joke is, what does one plus one equal? What would you like it to equal? <laughs> the old <laughs> mafia joke. Well, that's not the case. One plus one always equals two. So I spent a lot of time just studying and understanding that. Now I spend time just staying modern with the uh, uh, stuff that helps me track the business. The software systems that are available, there's so many good ones out there now. Um, but I will say, like I told a friend of mine the other day, I said, if I had a pair of dull scissors and you had a pair of sharp scissors and we had two mannequins or two models in front of us, you and I both know we'd do a haircut, good haircut because we know what we're doing. And the tool is important, but not nearly as important as the operator. And, and so if you try and try and try to, to operate and run and study and, and do your business, it doesn't work for you. Then you need to find a way to condense down to it. What is it you want to know? And when you get to that point of what do you want to know, there's a few points that you may want to know. What's the average cash flow? What's the average ticket? Some of these things that have to do with the fund. Then you can find someone to provide that information for you and let them do that work. And you go do what you love to do. Um, and that's pretty much what, what, I've, what I've done. <laughs> well, in a big part of that story, it seems like every time I, I run into you, you're there's a conversation about what you've most recently learned. And I know not too long ago, you went to FIT in New York and yeah. talk, talk, talk about that. Cause I was like, what, what you're going back to school. What? And uh, I don't even know if everybody knows what FIT is. So maybe talk fashion about Yeah. Fashion Institute of Technology. It's actually, it's really the apparel market and apparel worlds and design world uh, place. You know, a lot of very famous American designers and international designers have graduated from there. Uh, well, I was looking again for places to, because now we're nine years as of last week into the salon business in New York City. Um, I was looking for a better understanding of, of the New York marketplace, being competitive as I am. And I was also trying to understand what was going on in the world of digital that was transforming everything right in front of our eyes. Uh, so I, I started looking around and I found that FIT, this is three years ago I started um, I, I found that they had quite a nice catalog of evening certificate courses. So for $395, you could sign up and you could do this online. You could sign up for a um, class that may run five, six or seven uh, Wednesday nights um, from 6 to 9 or 9.30 p.m. So I did that. And part of the reason I did it is because it, it's funny, Holly was on, we were doing something with my resume the other day. And she said, look at this, you have a complete black period for two and a half years. And the only thing that really is on it that can be put on it is that I was going to class at FIT because I was leaving my old company and I had a non-compete, so I wasn't supposed to be doing anything. So I thought, the hell with that. I'm going to go to school. 
I'm going to learn up. I'm going to learn up for the next level because we're moving forward. And, and you know, um, so that, yeah, I go to the classes. I've done classes. Uh, I've worked on a branding certificate. So if you, if you look on there, you can see there, there's like uh, 15 courses that are the branding certificate course. And you have to do them in a certain amount of time. And, um, and that, w- that way it really helped me zero in on drilling down into the message of what is it that you need to say in a business? What what does a brand need to say? And I think I think a lot of times we try to say too much. And I think uh, you know the more you the more you move away from very competitive marketplaces, the more you see a poor rendering of people trying to speak a language that's very clear. In other words, you know they either overdress or they over makeup or they carry eleven lines of hair products or they have three signs on the door. You know, all kinds of stuff. This It's clutter, clutter, clutter. And um, in the world of branding, it really comes down to messaging and um, being able to articulate very clearly to your audience who you are and what you, um, you know, what, what you want them to understand about you. And I'll just say that for me and, and our organization, it was interesting coming from Louisiana I finally realized that the salon business that we were building and, and now the Together Beauty, which is a brand that we have in our salon, there's a archetype thing that you can look at. And, and at the end of the day, the main archetype that came up for my company is caring. We're a, we're a caring organization. You can look at it from every angle because we want people that genuinely have compassion for humanity. And I try to infuse myself with that and more and more as time goes along so that we are we're a caring organization. Somebody walks in the door and they know that they feel it. You know, they feel it and they and it can just sense it. And if you read our Yelp reviews for our salon, both of them, Studio B uh, and, and Sample Goddess Salon, read the Yelp reviews. Matter of fact, anytime you listen to someone that's giving you advice, Read the Yelp. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, because it, it's amazing. I mean, because we we want to m- make sure that a person uh, is left with a sense of happiness and and hope, uh, and you know, is just feels like you know what they got my back. These people have my back. They they care about me. So um, yeah, FIT kind of helped me a lot with that. And I've been debating back and forth whether I'm going to continue. Um, a little quick story on the FIT. One time, uh, one of uh, a person that works for me, Yasue, she came in one morning. She comes over to me. She goes, "Sam, Sam, look at this." So she holds up her telephone, mm-hmm. and she—it's a picture of me. I don't know if I ever showed it with share it with you, Garden, but I saw it, I saw it in real time. So you you go ahead with your story. <laughs> so she was coming to work on the subway uh-huh. in, in, down to Soho, and she looks up, and there I am up on one of those subway advertisements for FIT. And it says, Sam says, go to FIT, or whatever it said. And, and she's like, so all of a sudden, and they ran them for like a year. And they ran them through like three semesters. And, I, and they had taken a picture of me one night and said they wanted to know if I would mind being in a brochure. And I jokingly said, you just want somebody that's a little bit old. <laughs> <laughs> I said, but I said, sure, no problem. So I signed a release. And the next thing I know, you know I have some New Yorkers, real New Yorkers, not me. I'm, not, I'm a tourist. But real New Yorkers come in, hey. What do you mean you're on the subway? I've lived just 40 years and I can't get on the subway. 
I, I've only been on the subway in, in New York twice. It's not my favorite experience, to be quite honest. And, um, but the second time, which was, I don't know, a year or so ago, maybe, um, I had the exact same experience. I look up and there's Sam Bricado staring at me. It was a special moment. <laughs> that random, I'm telling you. It's, it's, well, it's so cool. And, and by the way, I, one of the things I've subconsciously have done all my life, and I don't know if it's, it has to do with the music world or like, I'm not sure what it is because the influences I have from different worlds, but I've tried to always make sure I do something that I put on my resume every year. And it could be accidental. Like when you and I worked our butts off and slept on the floor of that apartment after Katrina, Katrina. and, you know, it could be things that I wish I wouldn't have had to do, but I was proud and happy to have done. Um, or, you know, it could be as simple as going to FIT, but I start every year with, okay, Something they've got the ink's got to hit the paper about something that creates some validation uh, about me as my career. Um, and I'm not saying you're not anybody if you don't do something. I'm just I'm saying that you're you have a, a sense of validation and and being a creator uh, more so if if you're on a path of almost like putting down stone in the waterway in front of you and I'm going to continue to cross this water you know, this river or whatever it is. And that's going to look back and go, ah, that was my life. That's, like that. that's, that's deep. I, I do have to, to mention our, our Katrina experience together because it, it, it connects to so much of what you were just talking about as it relates to your brand and your brand very much, I think, is the essence of who you are. And it's been projected onto your business and your team. And you've, you've drawn people to you who share those same values. And so the story is that, you know, um, I was for close to 11 years, executive director of the National Cosmetology Association. And when Katrina, the most devastating, one of the most devastating storms that's ever hit this country, you know, really just rolled through New Orleans and, and just did horrific things. Um, I reached out to you to say that um, we were trying to get a coalition of people together to, to raise money to very specifically help hairdressers. We wanted to raise money and give every penny we raised to those hairdressers down in that area who were desperately in need of help. And I picked up the phone and I mean, who, who do you think of, but when you think of New Orleans and Louisiana and this industry, but, but San Bricado. And so I, I picked up the phone and, and you were not only willing to help, you were, you were like, tell me what to do, uh, anything and everything. And you were all in, as you said, I, I ended up down there with you. We, we, we saw it firsthand right after they opened up that airport. Um, but your, your commitment, it went on for months and months. We raised $1.2 million. Every single penny, yeah. penny went out to people. I mean, it was, it, it was a brilliant experience for me, but it just speaks so much to who you are. Yeah, well, thanks, Gordon. You know, and, and it still is absolutely hands down in the industry, the work. It's absolutely the most memorable thing that's ever happened to me in the beauty industry. No other accolade or, or, or standing ovation of a hair show. Nothing comes anywhere close to the moment I looked at there was a, as a guy named Matt Fuselet, who was a busy, fabulous hairdresser that worked for us. And he, I had, he was doing Holly's hair for a while when she and I were uh, dating. And, and I, I went to a gas station. I can't remember if you were with us, but we had a handful of money. And we were waiting for people to meet us. And he needed his medicine. And I hadn't seen Matt in a long time. And he comes walking up. He's filthy dirty. He hadn't bathed. And this guy's a fastidious, you know. And here he comes. He's walking up. And, he, and he, I slipped him on Matt. And, and big hug and all that. We gave him, I forget what we gave him, but we gave him enough money to help him 
move along and, and get his medicine. And, and that was just the, what we can do for other people and in a world that needs so much of it, uh, of, of doing and giving is, is just unbelievable. And, and, and there is enough for everybody. Some people try to say there's not. There's enough for everybody. It just has to be done in a way that um, it works. People have to realize that they need to, you know, I, this may sound funny, but I read a little clip of, of, of what um, Justin Bieber said about why he canceled his 180-show tour at 150 shows. And I have to say, I never pay any attention to Justin Bieber. But he says, I want to be a father. I want to be a husband. And I want to be sustainable because I was given a gift. And that gift is something not everyone gets. And I want to make sure that I can respect that gift for a long time. So I have to cancel the rest of the tour because he knew he was wearing himself out. That's such smart, deep thinking on that young guy's part. I mean, I think he's only like 23 years old. Yep. I love it. I love it. It's yeah. brilliant. Um, I, I love to ask everybody this question and, and um, you've already given a lot of it, but, but let me, we'll do another run at this. And, and that's to ask you, what's, what's the best advice professionally that, that anybody's ever given you? And, and, and why do you think that might be something of interest to, to our audience? Well, I think that I, to understand my answers is to, is to look at it this way. When someone asks me a question, I'm like a rubber ball and I bounce off of a uh, terra firma and I fly out into the universe and I look back and I see this huge glowing world we live in. And I, and I so I think on these big terms and, I, and so I, I sometimes uh, get a little deep about it. But um, the first thing I would say is uh, look very far out and have long horizons. Draw a line out, out in the far distance. And that's, that's the target. That's where you're going for. And part of that I learned from my experience as a competitive runner. And I used to joke and say that I had a rubber band that was hooked to my chest and hooked to the finish line. And all I had to do was let go of what was holding me back and it would drag me to the finish line at a, at a pace that was really uh, fantastic. So first would be have, have a horizon set that is very far out there. Um, the second thing is you can, I was told several times, you can learn your way through just about anything. Don't try to earn your way through it. Learn your way through it. There's information that surrounds it that you need that's missing from your ability to make the right decisions. And if you're in the right headspace, you have the ability to attract that information, gather that information. And and you can go forward. Visually, one of the coolest things that ever happened to me was I, I saw somebody, when I was a very busy hairstylist around 1976, 77, 78. And I, I thought I was a big shot. I was doing like $400 a day in business. And back then, that's, you know, mm-hmm. do the math. Mm-hmm. That's and a I lot. Met, yeah, I met somebody and he, and he, he showed me his sales for the day. And there were $3,460. And so he showed me the numbers and then his wife, who was running the ticket on the thing and showing it to me, said, she said, Sam, that's Jameson sales by himself for the day. And I, I, I mean, it was almost like it was almost like this huge light bulb went off. And and I realized that how high is up is really, really high. So I think you know, the best advice I've ever been given is to is to push, push for your own growth, but make sure it's incredibly inclusive. You bring a lot of people along and 
you know, success not shared is not success. So I love it. I I love it. You mentioned you mentioned Jameson. I I have to ask if you're referring to Jameson Shaw. Yeah, (laughs) I'm and his beautiful wife uh, Sarah, who uh, died unfortunately, passed away quite a little while back now. And it's funny because I saw Jameson not long ago, uh, October last October, at the Starbucks next to the door of the Waldorf in New York City, and we're sitting in his Yosh. Jameson and myself were sitting there. And I think Luis Al- I think Luis Alvarez might have yeah, Luis Alvarez might have walked in. Oh gosh. Yeah. So we're sitting there and all of a sudden Jameson says, and Jameson's 80, 80 ish, whatever, 78, 80, and he says, Sam, I want you to meet my girlfriend. <laughs> 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 so in Mark's this lovely lady, and she's probably close to his age. And so you know what? God bless him. He was married to Sarah for 60 years, and they had a fabulous family and a life together. And, and But you know what? In the, in the spirit of a great mentor, keep going. Keep living. And don't stop. I think he just stopped working. I just got a postcard from Yosh the other day with six different uh, countries or continents that he had been either fishing or sightseeing with his wife and doing the things he had dreamt of doing all his life. So, Maybe. Uh, I'm assuming, uh, I'm, I'm betting that that Starbucks experience was probably around Dintra Coiffure in October in New York next to the Waldorf. <laughs> it was. And it I want to, so I want, I want to, you have always also had a connection to the, the associations in the industry, formally or informally. I know you've always been connected to Inter Coiffure. Uh, when the National Cosmetology Association was around, now the PBA, you were involved with it. I remember seeing you at TSA, the Salon Association events. And so, and to me, that speaks to, I think, your passion for networking. And, and so talk about that a little bit and, and what it means and, and what, how important is being involved in something bigger? The, you know, the people you meet, um, and I've had a loyalty to Intercoffure. I, I became a member in 1979. It was Jameson that actually said to me, you need to get your butt in Intercoffure. <laughs> so I became a member of Intercoffure, and uh, it wasn't an easy task to do. Um, but I was around some of the, at that time, some of the really great, and there was still just salon owners like Horst and uh, Reschelbacher and, and uh, Mario Chikosi and so just amazing people. I was taking it all in. And early on, I, I said to myself, I'm never not going to be a member and I'll be there through the good times and the bad times. And there's been some bad times. And happily right now, there's some awesome times. This is a really great time for Intercopure. I think this coming October is going to be the best atelier there's ever been. And then so I've, I've tried to belong to as many associations as possible. I was inducted into, into an outside uh, thing called YPO, Young Presidents Organization. I was inducted into that by a group of people uh, in Louisiana. And that, that was a very, very interesting experience for me. I was a member for 22 years. I went to monthly meetings for 22 years with the same eight guys and uh, traveled all over the world with them and, and watched it from the inside their businesses grow and learned so much about the, the world of huge, huge money and influence and lots of political related things that had to do with um, that. Um, so that that type of networking is, has always been really important to me. Um, I like to be able to pick up the phone and try to, to be able to get through to people easily. So if you want to do that, you got to get out there and meet them. You got to shake hands with them. Um, I remember one night I got stuck at the Dallas airport and I was with uh, a guy and, and who's in the little waiting room waiting for the plane, but Dolly Parton. Well, I like country music, okay, but I wouldn't have bought a Dolly Parton CD. We start talking. I told her I was a hairdresser. She started laughing and telling me all her hair stories. Well, guess what I did the next day? 
I bought two Dolly Parton CDs because I made that physical connection. So I think that networking is really important. One of the things that's great about what we do as hairdressers is we meet people all day long. If you want to get to know a city, go to work in a hair salon and try to get in one that has a little bit higher price point because you're going to get more influential people if that's what you want to do. Um, so, yeah, networking is critical. What I'm doing right now, Gordon, that really is a, a, a great idea, and I have to give uh, credit to uh, Damian Carney, who works with us some at our salon. Uh, he suggested we start doing these Facebook Lives, and we did. And so I decided to start interviewing the entrepreneurs that were in Soho in the immediate area. Now we're going to do some uptown around Studio B. And it's really interesting because the minute you spend time with someone, like we were at Fueglia 1833, which is a fragrance company, and we met with them the other day and interviewed them. Well, the minute someone says hair to, to those guys in that boutique, which is a fabulous upscale boutique, guess who they're going to probably mention? San Bricotta Salon, four blocks away, go over there. So we've done that. We've done clothing stores. And that's all a version of making sure you're casting a wide net. Um, and so that you can really know the people and understand the people and have those conversations that maybe, you know, you may need. Like when you called me for Katrina, uh, you, you knew me, you knew my heart, and you knew that, that, you know, it worked out and the timing was absolutely perfect. And the, my own anxieties about sitting on a sofa in New York City while I watched Louisiana crumble was not going to last long at all. Networking is important. You mentioned earlier how when you, you, you really came into prominence, you know, out of the world championships. And so, and then you mentioned, you know, you're a competitive runner. I know you're a competitive business person. Talk a little bit about like, you know, is there a place you think that competitiveness, that part of your spirit that, that is driven by that? Any sense of where that comes from and, and what it means in terms of, you being where you are today. You know, and I think about it. I, I was raised in a big family, uh, seven of us. I'm the middle, I was the middle of seven. Two, two of my siblings have passed away. And there were always lots of kids around. Um, being down in Louisiana and the whole Texas, Louisiana, Alabama world is so much football. I mean, so much. Um, I was too small to play tackle football, but I was very fast. So I think a lot of my, so I play touch football, flag football. And I played it competitively. Um, you know, I was raised on a Schwinn Stingray bicycle and, um, and, and hacking away, trying to figure out how to play a little guitar while we chased the girls. And I mean, it was just, I don't know. There was all these different elements. I never, I, honestly, I've never, no one's ever asked me that. And I've never even given it that much thought other than um, I don't want to be anybody. But like I say at our salon meetings, right across the street, a great salon. Up the street, another one. Um, I don't want that customer to walk in their door. I want them to walk in our door, but I don't want their door to close just because, you know, my customer didn't go over there. Right? So, you know, when the guys across the street have a question or vice versa, they need anything, I gave them the key. I literally gave them the key to the salon, said, here, here, go, you need to use it on Sunday, we're closed, go use it. And I've done that uh, several times in different things. And I just say, you know what, what can I do to help? However, I do want to kick their ass when it comes to winning. And, and, and I do want my staff to be the busiest. And I don't want my customer to walk in that door over there. And I do love moments when about four years ago, when a really talented hairdresser was in our salon and one of his best customers that he cuts is in our salon getting her hair colored. It was one of these real sort of almost embarrassing, a little uncomfortable, but okay. 
Um, so, I, you know, I, I think you have to push yourself, you know, uh, in different disciplines. Running was one of mine. Um, I don't run hard competitively anymore, although I ran three miles on the treadmill last night. And I'll go and run with Gianni. My son's in town here with us right now. And I'll probably go out and run and bicycle with him here. Um, uh, and uh, I think that it's a, there's this thing inside of you that says, don't stop. You can relax. You can chill. You can calm down. Like right now, I'm in the start of about seven days of just really chilling out and relaxing and walking around barefoot a lot. But, you know, before before the world of big plants and assembly lines and all, people were born and they worked to live and lived to work. And they created a world where there was comfort around their life. They spent times in the afternoons resting and eating, maybe drinking a little wine, whatever they did. And But they worked until they could no longer contribute any longer. There was no such thing as retirement, really. People just worked into old age. And although I don't want to work myself to death, I'd rather die working than not. Uh, I, and, and, and part of it is there's a book called The Great Game of Business. And, um, and I've always uh, felt that business is a game and you're putting scores up on the board and if i finish uh, one link ahead of my buddy on the bicycle when we're racing or on the motorcycle a little later or the souped up uh ss malibu uh 389 gto engines and all these things we we did that were competitive and then eventually you know it was doing hair and i started competing in the hairdressing competition so i don't know gordon well i i think something you bring up that that um is important around this idea of, of competition and something I have been fortunate enough to observe, you know, over the course of my career, look back at some of the the big names in the industry who've come out of competition. You know, there's yourself, there's Leo Passage, there's Horst, there's Mario Chicosi, and the list goes on and on. But one of the things I learned about competition as it relates to those people, and many of them were fiercely competitive when it came to being on that competition floor and doing that hair. But there was a camaraderie and a respect and a friendship amongst the competitors, you know, speaking to how you view the salon across the street, right? It's not yeah. that it's do or die. It's not that I want to, you know, win at all costs. There's a there's another human element to it that I think um, it has a lot to do with how all of you became so good and 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 won so many times in the world of competition. Yeah. I think that I think that if you look at it, I've had people many times say to me when they meet me, they said, you know, people told me you were such a nice guy. And I have to say that a while after years that kind of wore on me a little bit, I thought, I, I gotta need to get some enemies. I gotta get some people pissed off at me. I'm just a nice guy. But then I realized one day that that I consider the beauty industry my brothers and sisters and, and the, the tribe it's where i grew up you know again i'm sitting in this office of memorabilia in here and every single thing other than a few photos of my family and stuff and everything in here is as i look around and books and videos and there's a whole huge shelf filled with photo shoots probably five thousand uh, slides and then it moves on to digital which is stacks and stacks of stuff. I haven't even got it organized and, and buried under guitars. But all of these things remind me of the fact that I just, I always have loved and understood hairdressers. They took me in when I was a, a young boy and wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And so I want to win. I want to do good. But 
That's my family. Where you know, I sat in the audience the other night at Naha and just was so thrilled um, to watch. And and I don't even know the people. <laughs> I get so excited. I said, "Wow, can you imagine?" You know, I'll say, "Can you imagine what she must feel like?" And then how they go, "Sam, you've done that before." I, yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I I love that. So yeah. so let's talk about and you've had this long career and on the business side uh, where you do have such passion you've seen an evolution and the most recent being and you and I've talked about it really since the beginning of it and that's this transformation of in many ways business and especially marketing by way of digital and social media and uh, again you, you did the FIT thing which has a little component of that I think um, you know, relative to branding and and so what what's the big picture what's what's your take on its place in the industry and its place in the life of of salon owners and hairdressers well we're you know I mean, we're a very open book about um, our our um, social media um, and we have uh, Instagram I, my personal Instagram is Sam Bricado, but we have Sam Bricado salon and studio B uh, NYC and uh, we have our Facebook pages and we're very aware of, of what Yelp is saying and hearing. Um, and we have all of our styles and I've heard this discussion a little bit. Now. I almost laugh. I, I did laugh. People have Instagram and they want to post Instagram and why not? I mean, listen, you can be a, you can be a healthy, successful, well-paid and, and in fact, protected and, and, and loved and guarded and encouraged member of my team uh, and, you know, uh, and have your whole thing going. I tell them all the time, you want to be famous? You want to do shows? You want to have make the most money? Guess where you are? You're in New York City. You know, had I been a 25-year-old or 30-year-old in New York City, which I wasn't, I could have, the things I probably would have done would have been 10 times more, but I wasn't. So, but I tell them all the time, you know, use all these tools. Uh, so we're constantly um, taking photos and posting them on Instagram and encouraging every single person on both teams to do it. I get calls right now. I'm getting all the calls. Do you have anybody that wants to do fashion week? Sam, do you want to go to fashion week? All this fashion week stuff. I just, I just push it right down to the people. Show up, show up. You want it? You say you want to do this then Go. Don't ask what time. Don't ask if there's money. Just go pay your dues now and do it. So, you know, um, I think that what's happening with uh, I, I heard yesterday that P&G, one of the top, top retail uh, uh, consumer good companies on the planet, has cut their advertising budget by very significant amount. And they did it because they switched it over to social media more. And they're realizing that that it's not um, it's not uh, going to pay just to be on television and, and an advertising two page spread necessarily. But that does support what you're doing. You do want to do those things, but they're cutting back on it. Um, I think part of one of the problems with social media is there is a lot of people. I just looked at a little thing, the 100 social media people of this year or something um, in our industry. And I do think there are certainly people who are making money and they're monetizing all their uh, followers and all. But that's a very small crowd when you look at the one and a half million or so hairdressers. And I think that what everybody should keep in mind is you make a living doing hair. Some people will make a living selling hair products. I've done that. Some people will make a living doing hair shows. I remember going to Italy one time and they said, will you come to a hair show? And I said, sure. I want $5,000 for an hour and I wanted a paper bag when I land there. And guess what? 
I landed in Italy. They handed me a paper bag. <laughs> but you know how many people land in Italy? And I understand, get a check in, in 1988 or whatever it was, and get a bag of money? Not that many. But so, so many of us dream of doing that when the real core of our, of our sustainability over, over time in this modern world is based on making connections, telling our story visually. Now, what, what an amazing tool. Telling our story visually and then putting the information, say, this is where you can find me. And, you know, one other thing I'd say is stay put until you sort out your, what it is that you're, you're, you're doing, how you do it. How do you get busy? How, how do you understand your timing? the work that you do. Stay put. Find somewhere that's going to be your home and stay there at least long enough to have a complete package that you can transfer to some other town or some other salon or whatever it is you want to do. Um, So I think that Amazon is a a wrecking ball. And I heard someone say to me yesterday (laughs) that a salon in yesterday that a salon in the northeast, northwest, had dropped the product line that they were selling $250,000 at retail a, a year. They were selling it because that product line went on Amazon. Here's, here, here's the message that goes out when you drop a product line because it's on Amazon. I'm taking a shot at one of the world's biggest companies, and someone looks at you and goes, well, aren't you just an idiot? Because <laughs> you're not going to beat them by cut, dropping the line. So... I don't disagree that if you're carrying a product line, it all of a sudden goes exclusively on Amazon and maybe it's still available to a distributor. I, don't shoot yourself in the foot. If my numbers are still the same, 250,000 means you've got 150,000 or more in overhead absorption cash coming through your business. What are you going to replace it with? What about all the changes in the buying habits and the selling habits of all your people? Calm down and do this. You know, remember, this is SPR. So if you're listening, write this down. SPR. Stimulus is S. A stimulus is when this product line went on, on, on Amazon. P, and then this R is the reaction you have to that. But P is the pause. Life is determined by the quality of your pauses. Inside that pause is the appropriate and necessary and not always the most fun and not the most desirable and may not even seem like the most likely thing to do. But don't react, respond. So make it stimulus, deep pause, and a real true response. It takes everything into consideration. I think Amazon is I mean, it's a wrecking ball. I mean, this is just such different territory. You know, I wouldn't stop selling retail over it. Uh, I, I would just find something that I'm passionately in love with that before they can even you know, the, the guest knows I love the product and they'll, they'll support your love of it. Some of them, some of them won't, you know, I just read, I just read this morning about some new rules on Amazon that have just got people flipping out that have to do with selling on Amazon that has to do with return policies and stuff that is just, just, uh, uh, where people can return things and not have to send it back, but get not but get their money back from a seller, and that people can return things automatically, um, just print a shipping label off off the Amazon online and ship it back to an independent out there. That's it. That's the Amazon trying to cram down the people, the little people that are making money on the edges, and consolidate the entire thing under their own their own stores, their own uh, 
systems. They don't want anybody, little guys, going around the edge just picking off pieces of money. They, they want their own thing. That's what they're working toward. They come in the front door and they bang the place up, blow it up, put it online, and they loop back around and they build the building right next to the ruins of the building. And now they got a bookstore. Amazon. It's 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 interesting. It's it. it but it, you know, I I think the big takeaway from Amazon, and if you look at in particular, I think the impact that Amazon had on the book industry. And I'm a I'm a book lover. Um, I've always been a book reader, although I'm leaning more towards audio now. And a lot of that has to do with what Amazon has done. However, I also have my favorite independent bookseller in Chicago. And it's the only place I'll go to buy a book. And I'm there on a weekly basis supporting them somehow, some way. And um, But that, for me, is more about the experience that they provide me in that bookstore than it is the fact that they're independent, to be perfectly honest. I love going to this bookstore for so many reasons. And I think that speaks to me and, and our industry about really the core of what drives success in this industry for the majority. I mean, we have different kinds of salons. We have the value salons that are a little bit different, but that experience is everything. And I think when a salon really does a great job in experience, which includes that recommendation to retail and carrying the right products that fit the, the brand, the salon brand itself, then I, I'm going to buy the product while I'm there. I'm not going to be distracted by Amazon because it's all part of this bigger experience. And I think that's, I, I believe that's the challenge that Amazon now presents to everybody because as technology changes and distribution changes and access to stuff, that commodity becomes really easy to, to hop online and, and do because, you know, it's, it's no fun to go buy paper towels. It's no fun to go buy dish, dishwa uh, dishwasher stuff. You know, it's, it's no fun to buy the commodities that are part of And if shampoo becomes a commodity in the client's mm. head, then it's easy to hop on Amazon. And I, I think that's the challenge that, that what is in front of us from a technological point of view in terms of buying and selling, that's the challenge presented to this industry. Yeah. I, I do think that if, I heard yesterday that Walmart perhaps might be bulletproof when it comes to Amazon and their stock is holding up well. And if we get some of these leaders that are in the brick and mortar world that are doing a little bit of business on online or some business online, Walmart carries almost everything online that Amazon does. If you just go online and look up anything, you'll, you'd be shocked at what Walmart sells. But the bottom line is, again, the quality of the pause as it relates to the to the turmoil that's being created by all this online selling and this transferring over into a, a new economy. I mean, we're talking about an economy with, with, where the cars, you're gonna, they're going to drive themselves and you're not going to have gas, in, gas engines. And it's just not, not going to be the way it is over time. But do you panic about that? Is that that's not what you do. You have a business. If, if you go in your business today and you look at your numbers, you might say, ah, down and retail's down a little bit. And this is not a good trend, but you don't throw everything out or you don't go crazy and burn the place down. You sit down and go, I'm going to sort this out and look for the look for the signs that tell me there is something on the other side of this. And I, I for one, personally believe that the professional hairdresser has a great uh, ability to continue to deliver on a service in a very memorable and caring way in our case. Some people like something different than that, a little more rebellious or a little more um, whatever it may be or hardcore creative, but whatever it may be that you stand for, do that and do it well and then have a, a good supply of, of products that you're truly passionate about. And don't just buy products because nobody else has them. I mean, that is a good reason because it gives you some exclusivity, but it, people will have them, you know? People will, stuff will come along. So just get behind the ones you can get behind and get ready for 
the customer that bought it five times in a row to say, eh, I'm not buying it anymore. I bought it on Amazon. Yeah, that might happen. And But there's no reason to shoot yourself in the foot <laughs> <laughs> and not sell at all. So for the salon owner who either feels stuck um, from the general landscape of being in business today or, or feels stuck because of maybe some of the challenges we're talking about right now or stuck because of transitions and in, in, in what's happening in the labor force and people going independent, but just the big idea of, you know, hitting a wall as an owner. What, what advice would you give that person? You know, I think, I think in the, in the middle of chaos, there's always some fabulous opportunities for the people that are looking for them. Mm-hmm. As sad and sad, sad as Katrina was, there are a lot of people that swept back into New, into New Orleans, and unfortunately, it wasn't a lot of the people that had spent generations there. But there are people who've gone back in there and built wonderful things that and built things that make a difference in the community, um, and that have been really good for the community. There's some things that are not so good. There's some people who've gone in and made a lot of money, and that's all they did. But I I think if you're up against a wall and you feel like you just can't break through. You have to sort of redouble down on the places where you find your your grace and your calmness first. Here, I get a little deep about it. But you do. You have to first. I mean, everybody can't be a stealth-minded, ice water in your veins business person. And you don't want them to be. You can be a compassionate and caring person. You just have to take a few steps back. And you have to find out who are the people that you can speak with and ask their opinion. That You'd be surprised. If you just reach out and say, listen, here's what's happening. But before you do that, make sure you understand exactly what's happening. Because sometimes, you know, we just get burned out. We get to the stage where we're retired or or we're just not sure we want to go on. And that's different than your business having a problem. So if your business is still making money and going forward and you may be having a problem, well, that's a different issue. Maybe you should need to see a therapist, you know, or talk to a, or someone at your church or something. But I believe that um, it's really first assess the situation, assess exactly what's going on, and then seek out the associations, PBA, Interclafure, um, seek out these associations and events. There was this fabulous digital event I went to a few weeks back in, uh, at, um, in Atlanta. It was awesome. Seek out these events and places and put your money out there some if you, if you can and go to them and listen and watch. Find a few people um, that you can talk with and help them guide you because you're going to turn around and, and get your motor running really good again. And you're going to want to have to reach out and help them. So that would be my advice. Look to the, look to the industry. If you're in a college town, there may be some good um, things that you can study if you feel like it's you know it's accounting maybe you need to have a, a deeper simplistic understanding of how the numbers work if you're over but if your business model is broken and your your commissions just you know you pay commissions and they're 68 percent you can't you just gotta cut cut commissions <laughs> i mean you gotta bite the bullet um you know i walked away from my old business garden that had my name on it and and, you know, it's a tough thing to do, but it took a while and I did it already. What we've done, starting from scratch on a fresh plot of ground with a new heart and a new passion is already almost as valuable, definitely to me, than when I left. So sometimes you just got to walk away. If it's really that bad and your business model is really that broken, 
you might have to, you know, ask some people to leave or to say you can stay, but on these terms. As far as um, you know, as far as uh, having a healthy business, you you need to make sure you have uh, cash reserves so you can weather the hard times because they will definitely take place. Just because you make more money, don't go buy a bigger house and another car. That's great. That is great advice <laughs> and, yep. and important advice. I think you know yeah. we, we run into so many people who their biggest challenge is having those resources when times are tough. I have a 2004 Armada Nissan because my best friend that lives right up, I'm looking out the window at his house, Bob sells Nissan. So I bought one in 2004. And now every time he pulls out and he sees it, damn Sam put that in the garage (laughs) but it's paid for it runs I only come down here every five or six weeks into Louisiana and and it's that much and so I don't need anything else I don't need the brand new car necessarily this is a perfectly good car and I could afford to go pay cash for a really nice car (laughs) but I'm not going to do that and I think that a lot of times you know people do things for the wrong reason they keep you know the the system. Are you are you going to ask me anything about books? I am. I'm about. My next question is going to be about what are you reading and listening to and or viewing and obsessing about. So let's let's go there. Uh, we already talked about the college and FIT and they're in New York. My God, that's Columbia University. I get their fabulous emails and uh, newsletters. Um, there are two books that that have been real important to me lately, and one is called The Soul of Money. And the author's name is Twist, T-W-I-S-T. And it's about, it's written by a woman that has spent her whole life being a fundraiser, raising money for the Hunger Project worldwide. And she talks about sufficiency and sustainability. And she talks about people with just vast wealth that were vastly unhappy. Um, And and that that book is really... um, has been a real eye opener for me because it it'll it will sort of fine tune if not completely change your idea around money um, and so that that one the soul of money by twist and then the other one is is um, this changes everything which is by Naomi Klein and this book is about um, global warming and but it's about it, it it's in economics. So I found it, and a lot of times I'll go into a category, not to a book, and I'll go into economics, or I'll go into um, uh, family or whatever it may be, and I'll look for something to read or someone will recommend it. This book talks about the economic impact and the changes that are ahead of us. Some of it she gets a little, a little overly heated up, no pun intended, um, and you know, but clearly we have a situation in front of us that will impact so much of what we do. And I think that as a business owner, regardless of how big your business is, you have to remember that to own a business is to be a thought leader. You cannot own a business and not be a thought leader. You have to be a a person that embraces thought and embraces ideas and embraces thinking and embraces how do we change forward. So um, these books have really informed me lately. I read all the time, you know, uh, you know, like yourself and there's a lot of little, you know, cliff note type books and an assortment of different things. And I, I religiously read front to back all the trade journals, you know. And sometimes, you know, it's funny because sometimes I'll read something, I'll go, ah, and I'll just rip the page out and throw it in the garbage. And say, what a bunch of bull. <laughs> but I read it because even if I read just one sentence, which is a far more than that, um, 
I always stay in touch and, uh, and connected to our industry. And I think that that, um, you know, that uh, is, is important. I think it's important. So that, that, that's one thing I've been doing. The great recommendation. And, and I have to say for those who maybe aren't readers, just it's just not their thing. It doesn't inspire them. Uh, they maybe just can't get there. Some, some have learning disabilities that, that impact or impair the ability to, to enjoy it. And, you know, I've, I'm a, a big reader. I'm going to go out and get those books, but I'm also, I've also become a big listener. You know, and Audible is just such a, an amazing way to listen to books. And so, so there's no excuse anymore not to, 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 take advantage of all this great content that's out there because we can watch it, we can read it, and we can listen to it. And uh, again, one of the, the, the amazing things that's come out of this whole technological revolution that we're living through. Uh, these are exciting times. And sometimes people say, why are you still working? <laughs> and, and I'll tell you, the number one answer is, is curiosity. Um, I just want to see what's going to happen. I just want to see what's going to happen with everything, with the way this industry transitions. You know, I want to be standing there when my wireless, perfectly silent blow dryer and all my heat, heated tools with ultra protecting of the hair is going on. And I look up and someone is pulled up in a driverless car and walks into my salon and they don't have a chip in their body, but there's something that picks up on them. They're checked in and you know, all these really just all this cool stuff. I'm going to be here and, 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 you know, and, and be a part of it. So I'm just so curious about it. <laughs> like, what what can happen? Um, you know, I I, I want to also sort of juxtapose that comment about I want to be here, and 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 I just want to say that you know there are people like my brother Marcus who passed away from pancreatic cancer who was a devout hairdresser, and he would want to be here and he can't. And and that's heartbreaking. So I think a lot of times we want we should be here for those people. Um, anybody who didn't and it hasn't followed Fabio Cimentilli's life and what happened to Fabio is he would want to be here. And, and God, what a! I think I'm every day. It's just I can't. And I wasn't like super tight. I knew him for years, but I just think that the, the depth of curiosity and a real compassion for the people around you and as time goes by wanting to build and grow and share i mean i try to share everything i put my hands on with everybody to listen to me um more and more i guess that's a pay it forward thing well i want to thank you for sharing with us because this you know our time's coming up here but um i mean what a what a great conversation i i just always love spending time with you sam and i want you to tell our audience you know where where can they find you online where can they find the salon online how do people connect with you well we have one two three i think three businesses that so the sam salon dot com um is our downtown website studio b nyc um is our uptown salon fabulous team of people up there and then we have studio b and sam Bacata salon instagram um under those names and then my own Instagram is just Sam Bricado, at Sam Bricado. And um, I'm on Facebook. Uh, I'm not great with Facebook. I do the Facebook Live, and I, and I like doing that. I, and I, I'm not doing Twitter uh, other than I just feed it off my Instagram. So that's where you find us. And that's uh, – well, oh, and, and, and Together Beauty, LLC. Uh, together, I'm sorry, Together Beauty NYC is the landing page for, for our in-house product company at San Bricotto and Studio B. 
So it's pretty, you'll love it. Look at it. For you guys that might be listening and want to know a new product idea, you can copy some of this if you like it. <laughs> so I, I encourage everybody to reach out and, and, and follow Sam. And, and if you see Sam in person, go up and introduce yourself and say hi. He's one of the the, the nicest people in the industry, but also one of the smartest and, and, and profound. And so to the, the brilliant hairdresser, artistic educator, author, motivational speaker, business leader, visionary, and, and I'm very proud to say my friend, Sam, Ricca- Sam Ricardo, thank you for joining us on the American Salon Stories podcast. Please give Holly and Gianni my very best. Happy birthday, Gianni. And um, I look forward to seeing you at Intercoiffure in October in New York. That's, it'll be great. And thanks to you going into American Salon and good luck with your new gig. Thank you, Sam. And we'll be back next week with another American Salon Stories podcast. In the meantime, we hope you will follow American Salon on Instagram, where we are known as American underscore Salon, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash American Salon. That's all one word. And of course, on americansalon.com, where you can also subscribe to the Daily Beauty Fix e-newsletter. This is American Salon guest contributor and Hairbrain CEO, Gordon Miller. And I can't wait to bring you another American Salon Stories podcast next week. 